1: Peter King driving and singing, I Didn't Make Out the Tune. Peter, what were you singing? It was 22
2: by T. Swift. You know, I'm only 64 years old. Now I've discovered Taylor
0: Swift.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, that is something. That reminds me of, of a time that we had Al Michaels on the show when it was at noon. And I think... Did he sing a little Katy Perry? And we'll hear him during the breaks on Sunday Night Football (laughs) when we only have access, hear him uh, humming uh, uh, and singing from time to time. So uh, you had a long, crazy journey over the course of the last month. Every time I thought you were done, you'd you'd find another leg of your training camp tour. How many different teams did you end up visiting? Uh, I visited 18 teams
2: saw 20 teams in all because I went to one game uh Steelers Lions and I went to one camp where they doubled up uh the Colts and the Panthers uh 18 teams 20 uh or 18 places 20 teams 20 states 27 days so yeah it was I was out there a while but you know Mike what was really really good about this trip is that you know I live in Brooklyn and you know Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are not coming to my apartment. I'm going to them. And fortunately, I have enough of a relationship with them so that they'll all talk to me. So, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, you sort of miss last year. I did a little bit of it, but not a lot. And this was, uh, it was really a great trip. Enjoyed it a lot.
1: Yeah. uh, Before we move on, I'm curious. Comparison, just general big picture comparison to last year and to pre pandemic. How does this experience fit in those two extremes that we've seen? What was
2: really interesting, Mike, is as our trip went on, okay, and I started in Henderson, Nevada on July 28th. And in Henderson, you basically, it was almost anything goes, but. In a couple of days, they were going to reinstitute an indoor mask mandate late in that week. Uh, But I met Brent Musburger for lunch. There were no masks, uh, you know, looking around the lunch place. But as the trip went on, and especially the last two or three spots, by the time we got to New Orleans last Friday, uh, or like late last Thursday, it was, you're not entering the hotel unless you got a mask on. You're not entering any place uh, in, the, in the area. We had to show our vaccination, proof of vaccination, to eat at a restaurant on Friday night. So it really got a lot more serious, especially in the south uh, as the trip went on.
1: Well, you were singing Taylor Swift's 22. You should have been singing Johnny Cash's I've Been Everywhere, man, because you have been everywhere over the course of the last month. And let's get to it up in New England where Cam Newton back at practice after a mandatory five-day absence due to a COVID protocol misunderstanding. Silly reporters thought they would actually get Bill Belichick to elaborate on the stated reasons for cam newton's absence let's have a listen to bill belichick yesterday trying to fend off those who may be trying to get to the truth
0: misunderstanding on the on the newton thing i don't quite get newton was gone for you for five days and it was characterized as a misunderstanding was he told he could go or did he not know the rule or did you not know the rule
1: yeah don't really have anything to add, Dan. You released a statement. I think that
0: covered it as thoroughly as, as we can without, you know, getting into a, you know, a lengthy thing. So we'll just leave it at that. Okay. It's just, for us, it allows the possibility that he, he either went without permission or someone didn't know the rule, which is very unlike you guys. And it, I know it's important to be a practice, and he's a pivotal guy on your team. So it just it leaves us a little bit out there as to the motivation why he did this, and if he knew, and if you knew, or if he went against team rules?
2: No, he didn't go against team rules. But there was a misunderstanding, and it's exactly what I said it was in the statement.
0: So he was unaware, he would lose the five days?
2: It's exactly what I said it was in the statement.
1: Yeah, the problem is the statement is fairly vague. And and Peter, I, I don't know this, but I think what happened here was fairly simple. The misunderstanding was that Cam Newton, even though he probably had been told many times that as an unvaccinated player, thou shalt be tested every day at the team facility, he thought it was good enough to get tested somewhere else, wherever he went. And I believe and this is the only way it makes sense. The Patriots assumed, yeah, okay, you can go out of town for whatever medical treatment you needed, but you get tested before you leave, day one, you go, spend the night, come back, get tested, and that counts. You don't skip the the second day and just run to a drugstore wherever you are and get a COVID test and say, hey, I'm negative, all right, I'm good to go, that i That's the only reasonable explanation based upon the very vague statement the Patriots gave us. Absolutely. It's what I was thinking all along, Mike, that clearly Cam
2: Newton knew that he had to get tested every day. So if you have to get tested every day, the NFL has made it very, very clear. You have to get tested on site. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And that's why, obviously, what had to have happened is that Cam Newton must have gotten tested somewhere else or perhaps even skipped a test somewhere else. You just don't know. But clearly, he did not test every day at the Patriots
1: facility. And this was an issue you flagged months ago. And it relates to the bye week, which is scattered throughout the course of the regular season for the players. If you're vaccinated, you can leave. If you're not vaccinated... You can't leave. And it's even more immediate than that. It's become clear in recent weeks that there's a mini buy on the immediate horizon in lieu of week four of the preseason. If you're vaccinated, you can go enjoy Labor Day weekend somewhere else. If you're not vaccinated, you got to show up every day and be tested and I think the league is hoping that these little mini realizations and lessons learned that you never know which one is going to eventually tip the scales in favor of getting vaccinated but I think just little dribs and drabs like this of information and realization I think that's one of the reasons why the vaccination rate keeps slowly creeping up as players understand the the true and full implications of being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated.
2: Mike, there are players in this league who feel like they have been held hostage in order to get them vaccinated. You know, that they basically have been threatened and whipped and cajoled into getting the vaccination. Players who did not want to get the vaccination. But those who don't have the vaccination and who haven't been vaccinated, the first big moment will come next Thursday. Uh, Many coaches next week will practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, let's say. And then players who are fully vaccinated will be allowed to go wherever they want for the next four days. And many of them will go back to their college campuses, maybe stand on the sidelines at college football games or, or whatever, or just go somewhere for four days. And then teams will be back mostly the following Monday at practice, maybe Tuesday. So this is a golden time of year for players. You get a break after training camp of about four days. And the unvaccinated players do not get that break. They have to report every morning to their facility, mostly before 8 a.m., get the test get back in their car, go home, await the results of the test, and then come back exactly the same way the next day. So that is one of the ways that teams hope that they're going to encourage players to get vaccinated. But, Mike, I'll tell you one other thing. One coach on this trip told me that, look, we have had nine uh, programs since the spring with our players, nine Nine different things. We've either had speakers come in, the NFL, an epidemiologist, somebody, you know, talking to the players. And my human resources person came to me the other day and said, okay, here's the next plan, blah, blah, blah. And he held up his hand and he goes, I'm done. We're finished here. Our players now have to bear the responsibility. Those who aren't vaccinated, they're going to have to bear the responsibility of whatever happens, happens. We are going to have to bear that responsibility, but it's time to coach football.
1: So there's going to be no more programs inside this team. Well, and at a certain level, it makes a ton of sense because at at a certain point, you're talking to a wall. You're not going to change right. anyone's mind by whoever it is that is put up there in large part because of the disinformation that has infected the thinking of a lot of people in the country and some of those people play for NFL teams. Peter, the, the mere fact that there is a clear and obvious link to availability to play every Sunday. And if we didn't know it before Cam Newton. We should have known it before Kellen Mond and Kirk Cousins. And the reality that you're going to be tested every day, including day of game, and it's not going to be like last year where the results don't come back until after your game's over. They're doing it all on site. You'll know three hours or more before kickoff whether or not you can play, because if you're unvaccinated, you have to be tested the morning of the game. And with such a clear link to being able to play, when you consider how players line up out the door for Toradol shots, which numb the body, and that's not good as it relates to current injuries and maybe future injuries, and which has long-term health effects that are proven and established, they'll gladly take a Toradol shot, and they refuse to do something else like this that enhances their availability and that is safe and effective. I've never seen anything like it, and I never would have dreamed that football coaches would be unable to extend their ability to tell their players what to do at all times and get them to do this. It's amazing to me that, that so many NFL football coaches have been unsuccessful to get their guys to do what their coaches want them to do.
2: Mike, in conversations with coaches, players, age, general managers, agents in the last month, I believe there are three reasons for this for what you're just saying. Number one, you talk about the disinformation. You know, players hear from the teams, from experts, from, uh, you know, whoever comes in to do these programs. They hear, you got to get the vaccine, you should get it, it's best for the country, it's best for your family, all that. Many of them go home and their their, their wives will tell them, don't get it. Their father, their mother, their best friends don't get it. It doesn't do any good. It's bad for you. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know what the results are going to be in the future. So, that is one thing mixed messaging. Number two, and I think this is really, really important there are many players who have uh, personal trainers away from the team. Uh, some players have sleep specialists. Some players have Uh, all these private uh, medical people, doctors, trainers, uh, to take care of every aspect of their health. Those people are, in essence, in many cases, gurus over the player. And that, in some cases, is is holding players back. And I'd say, finally, the, the other thing that's holding players back is that around the country right now, You know, if you're if you're a football player and you say you're not doing it, you're like Cole Beasley. I'm convinced that Cole Beasley would rather not play football and not make his whatever eight or nine million dollars. If he was told the only way you can play football is to get the vaccine. Mike, players are dug in. And that's why I think the coach who said, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to get anywhere with him. Mike Zimmer told me, it doesn't do me any good anymore. Kirk Cousins is absolutely dug in. So that those are the reasons why this is happening.
1: You know, in hindsight, I wonder if the NFL wishes it had pushed harder to get a vaccine mandate for players. I think if those negotiations were happening under the current climate with full FDA approval for the Pfizer vaccine. It may have been easier, but, and there's been a skirmish between the league and the union as to whether or not the league wanted mandates. The league says it did. The union says it didn't. The reality is this, the league knows the union was never going to agree to it for fear of the kind of uprising from a very small percentage of players that could have toppled D. Smith, the NFLPA executive director. But on top of that, whatever it was going to take by way of a concession at the bargaining table, because that's how it would have happened. The league wasn't going to make any concession. The league wasn't going to give the union something else it wanted to get a mandate. So they came up with this system that was aimed at cajoling the players into doing it, creating all these benefits for doing it and detriments for not doing it. And I think they're exasperated that they didn't get 100% voluntary choice by creating a situation where it's a no-brainer. You do it, and you still have about 7% right now of players across the league who haven't done it.
2: Mike, I talked to somebody early on in this process uh, with very close ties to the top of the NFL, and he said there's a very simple reason why there's not going to be a mandatory vax program in the NFL, and that is that who knows who it would be, one, two, or three megastars quarterbacks most likely one two or three of them would say I'm not getting vaccinated and you know what I'm going to sue you and I'm going to make my money this year by not playing football because I'll win this lawsuit so and imagine if you are let's just say the Minnesota Vikings all right and your quarterbacks there's a there's a, a mandatory vaccine thing they got problems beyond Kirk Cousins but if there's a mandatory vaccine and Kirk Cousins doesn't play, then their quarterback, if they had to plan for that this year, their quarterback is going to be Kellen Mond or one of those other guys who you never heard of at the end of their roster at quarterback. So even though the Vikings are tearing their hair out about this, you know, about their quarterback not being vaccinated, they would rather have an unvaccinated Kirk Cousins than a vaccinated Kellen Mond be the quarterback of this team
1: yeah the other vikings quarterbacks are guys you wouldn't want to come to your apartment in brooklyn contrast with guys <laughs> who won't come oh they can come in i'm in a brooklyn. nice guy including aaron Rodgers, who unlike a surprising number of starting quarterbacks who have sent plenty of messages that make it clear they're not vaccinated including flat out saying they're not vaccinated here's rogers from yesterday admitting that he
0: is yeah i've been immunized um you know, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of conversation around it, around the league, and a lot of guys who have made statements and have made statements, owners who made statements. Um, you know, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. Uh, I think it's a personal decision. I'm not gonna judge those guys. Um, there's guys have been vaccinated, contracted COVID. Um, so it's, it's an interesting issue.
1: Yeah, it was an opportunity for him to use his platform to maybe convince one or two of his teammates. And maybe he's doing it privately. He doesn't want to make it a public issue. But you could just see his hesitation, Peter, early on. He didn't even want to use the word vaccinated. He said immunized. He knows that that word itself has become a hot button. But uh, yeah, the bottom line is if the coach isn't going to change a guy's mind. The starting quarterback isn't going to change a guy's mind either. If people are dug in, you're only going to cause problems if you try to go to them and talk sense into them because as far as they're concerned, you're speaking a language from a different planet. You're not talking sense.
2: You know, two things, Mike. Number one, I thought it was interesting when Ron Rivera talked to Albert Breer and basically said that one of his players came up to him And said, hey, coach, I'm getting the vaccine. Oh, great, great. Yeah, you know, my wife uh, and, you know, we're having a baby and I just want to make sure that, you know, we're all safe and everything like that. And, And I'm sure what's going through Rivera's mind and all that, he said, wow, I mean, now we see I've had cancer. I am really in, you know, in danger if I get COVID of getting really, really ill, even though I've had the vaccine. And so... That is one thing. And I think the one other thing, Mike, I had a conversation with an admitted uh, anti-vaxxer on this trip. The only way this conversation happened is that I said, I just want to try to understand. I just want to have a conversation. Not going to write about it. going and, and look, no names, no anything here. But I said, you know, the one thing that really bothers me about this, aside from the obvious, and we're not going to we're not going to agree on this so there's no sense in going back and forth but the one thing that bothers me is when players will say it's a personal decision a personal decision a personal decision does not necessarily hamstring an NFL franchise if that personal decision causes that player to miss two games and if that personal decision causes let's say if it's a quarterback causes his team to go 0-2 in those two games and the team to miss out on the playoffs. That's not a personal decision. And so this player basically said, you know, you're probably right. I think in the future I'm going to call it a private decision. That's correct. It is not a personal decision. It's very technically a personal decision. But a personal decision is not one that, uh, you know, that has no effect on whatever, millions of people and a franchise worth billions of dollars.
1: I agree with you completely. Peter, personal decision just became the label that was used by those who don't want to talk about it because they know that there will be a large percentage of the population that just shakes their heads and says, you're being a selfish person with this personal decision because you are. And and this is why... I have such an issue with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, to his credit, has basically gamed the system for the last six or seven years because Washington stupidly handled his contract and franchise tagged him once and franchise tagged him again and then he hit the open market and that rarely happens with a healthy quarterback under 30 so he got 28 million a year from the Vikings and then he restructured after a couple of years and now he's getting more than 30 million a year from the Vikings get about 2 million a game and he's not a 2 million dollar a game quarterback let's face it and so he's content to not be vaccinated and to potentially test positive the day of a game potentially have a close contact with an infected person the day before a game and get paid his full $2 million and not play. That's what, with him specifically, that's what I have a problem with. Because I don't care what your personal reasons are. This goes directly to your availability to earn money that you really aren't good enough to earn, if we're going to be honest about it. And that that's what bugs me specifically about his situation.
2: I, it, it, who can argue with that? I mean, the bottom line in the whole thing is that I believe, especially in the position of being an NFL quarterback, that um, no matter how strongly you feel about the vaccine, I just think it's a huge mistake to not get vaccinated. Well, That one position in this game, I mean, all positions are valuable, obviously. All 53 players on the roster are valuable. But a starting quarterback, especially a starting quarterback who it's been proven time and again, When you look at the depth chart at quarterback, it's not like you've got a decent backup behind you. You don't. You might at some point, but you don't right now. It's just its exceedingly, you're just playing with fire. And, you know, in
1: in this day and age of (coughs) ever spreading legalized sports betting, it's amazing that we don't have greater transparency as to which starting quarterbacks truly are and aren't vaccinated. And when you consider... That it, it does go down to game day. It goes down to hours before kickoff. It's a fairly important piece of information if you're going to have your starting quarterback for that game, whether it's close contact, five days gone, positive test, ten days gone for probably two games if it happens on the day of a game that you test positive. I've seen photos from training camp and you see different starting quarterbacks with masks on and you kind of assume that if you're wearing a mask anywhere at practice, you're probably unvaccinated unless you're really, really, really cautious and wearing a mask outdoors even though you've been vaccinated, which I think is highly unlikely. But this absence of transparency is a problem for the NFL, too. And I think at some point they have to ask themselves, do we have an obligation to the betting public in the states where it's legal now? to wager on games. Is there an obligation, just like on the injury report, to say who and who isn't vaccinated? So we have an idea of the universe of guys on a given team who all of a sudden may not be available to play on Sunday, Peter.
2: Well, you know, in an ideal world that had happened, but players, the union uh, would clearly claim HIPAA, and uh, Hi- I think
1: it would win. Ah. Bah. HIPAA would. doesn't they apply. Win. HIPAA doesn't apply. No, HIPAA doesn't apply. It really is amazing, though, that there's so so much transparency on everything else regarding a player's health, but on this, it's a guessing game.
2: I'm not really sure there is all that transparency in everything, you know, because teams, no matter what the injury report says, teams hide injuries all the time. We see it every year. Yeah, like a torn MCL for the entire season by Tom Brady. In an ideal world, Mike... Teams wouldn't hide injuries, but teams do hide injuries. And so therefore, I don't think there's any chance that the NFL would ever... I don't think the NFL would mind it if everybody knew, but I don't think the NFL would ever win at being able to put that on an injury report.
1: This is something we've never seen before, though, and it comes at a very weird time. And the idea that there is an unknown cluster of players on every roster who may be immediately and suddenly unavailable to play on the day of a game, and we don't know who they are. I don't think that's going to fly two weeks from now. As people begin to understand it, as Congress men and women begin to understand it, I don't think it's going to fly. And I think, I don't know how the dominoes are going to fall, Peter, but as we get closer and closer to the games that count, I think there's going to be an uproar That people don't have this information available to them. We do know, though, in Buffalo, that pretty much everyone who is paid to catch a football has not been vaccinated. Uh, And and someone told me the other day, like seven Bills receivers aren't vaccinated. I don't know that that's the case, but we know of two who aren't vaccinated. One is Isaiah McKenzie because he posted yesterday and doxxed himself. We should. Oh, there's it. Pay no attention to the email address. We posted it though on Twitter. He got fined by the league for not wearing a mask on two different occasions the day before the league is not messing around. He mocked it. I mean, this isn't a guy who's making $10 million a year. $14,650 is a nice little chunk of change for anyone, but he doesn't seem to care. So, And that's the other side of this, Peter. If you're not going to be vaccinated, number one, you better follow every rule that's been put in place. And number two, don't mock the process. You either get vaccinated or you follow all the protocols or you get the hell out. Those are the three choices. Isaiah McKenzie
2: seemingly seemingly made light of getting fined 1.5% of his annual compensation, which this year is $990,000. And judging by what we saw and how he treated this, I will not be surprised again if sometime in the next couple of weeks he gets fined again. Now wouldn't it be a little bit different if, if Isaiah McKenzie made Michael Thomas money? Yeah, it would be. Because then he wouldn't really have to worry about 14650 But, and again, this sounds totally tone deaf with so many things going on in our country. But for a guy who makes $990,000 and is not even anywhere close to struck it rich in the NFL, wouldn't you think, that wearing a mask around the complex to save you $14,650 would be the smart way to go? I mean, this casts a lot of light on Isaiah McKenzie, the person. I mean, is he trustworthy? You know, can, can Brian Dayball rely on him in the offense? I, I'm, ju- I'm just, it, that's a question. Maybe it's a silly question, but I really wonder about that. After seeing this yesterday...
1: And Peter, when you look at the Bills receiver depth chart, he's at best number six, especially when you consider how well Jake Kumoro has done this training camp. Now, for all I know, Kummerow is not vaccinated either. We know Beasley isn't because Beasley jumped on the train yesterday and said they got him too. And Beasley continues to bang this drum of, I don't get it, make it make sense. And it's really not that hard to understand what the NFL and the NFL Players Association have done here. You either accept what the rules are, or you get off the train. And Beasley and McKenzie are two that seem to want to ride the train and complain about the ride the whole way. And if I'm McKenzie... And, and maybe he's just clueless, and maybe he's safer than I realize, and maybe it's because there's so many unvaccinated bills that they're not going to cut guys who aren't vaccinated. But Tuesday is coming around the corner, and every roster goes from 80 to 53. And objectively, McKenzie is a guy, if you're on a team that is looking to increase your vaccine rate by shedding guys who aren't vaccinated, he would seem to be a guy who would be in far more trouble than Cole Beasley of not having a job come Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern.
2: Mike, let me tell you one thing. There's two, thing, two things about what you just said. All right, number one, did you see what Brandon Bean said the other day in a press conference? He was asked about what had happened to his team, okay? And, and all of these new guys who were, you know, who basically you know, were away from the team because of this five-day rule, essentially. And he said, and I quote, We don't have it figured out. We don't have it under control. And we just have to deal with the cards that are dealt. Okay, so Mike, just just imagine you know, the general manager of a Super Bowl contender basically saying, hey, listen, we're going to do the best we can. But if we hit a streak of rotten luck, we are screwed. You know, if they had to play a game today, just like the Tennessee Titans, if they had to play a game today, you know, they are in big trouble. And, and let's talk for a second, uh, you know, about, you know, basically about Isaiah McKenzie. When I was in their training camp, Mike, okay, it's very clear, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley ahead of Isaiah McKenzie, okay? Then Gabriel Davis and probably Jake Kummerow are going to make this team, all right? and and so there are five receivers right there and the and i think that the bills likely would keep six but that's why you just raised the point isaiah mckenzie he's insurance for cole beasley in the slot and i get it he's somewhat valuable to this team but i don't know what i would do if i were brandon bean and sean uh, uh mcdermott right now would you keep them and risk this happening again? Would you keep him and risk him being a squeaky wheel about this process and and being a distraction during the course of the year? Is a si- fifth or sixth receiver on the team worth that? The Bills are going to have to decide.
1: And Peter, here's the other reality that may be unique to the Bills. Maybe the Vikings are in this camp as well. To the extent that players who remain... After Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, believe that guys were cut because they're not vaccinated. Among the unvaccinated who are still there, they're going to be pissed off. Sorry, London. They're not going to be happy with that. Whereas in other cities, guys are going to say, okay, we get it. It was a close question. They want the guy who's vaccinated over the guy who isn't vaccinated. That's a no brainer because it goes directly to availability and everything we've discussed over the last half hour. But in Buffalo, I think they are potentially teetering on the edge already of some sort of a revolt or the kind of dysfunction that can undermine your ability to win football games. It really is amazing. It is amazing to see a sport where everything is controlled and the analytics take every aspect of player evaluation into consideration. The idea that a couple of teams, for whatever reason, Vikings, Bills, and Colts to a certain extent have a collection of guys that have a critical mass of players who just refuse to get the vaccination to the point where it is going to potentially cause them to lose football games this year, and they don't care. I think upper management
2: cares, ownership cares, coaches care. Players players um, don't. But, but many players don't care. Um, and really... We could, we could have a, not a two-hour show, we could have a two-month show on what's happened to this country in the last five years, but all respect for authority is out the window. You're better off in, you know, in, in a large sector of this country, you're better off getting your information from a TV host with a screed at eight or nine o'clock at night, then you are listening to people who have been with the CDC and who've been doing this research for years and years. That's and, uh, clearly what's wrong with our country right now, period. No. And it is obviously infecting the NFL.
1: And one of those networks that provides that misinformation ties directly back to an NFL broadcast partner. And you have to wonder how thrilled the folks at 345 Park Avenue are about that connection. With that, and for those of you out there who will email me saying, why are you talking about the vaccine? If you're not paying attention to what's going on in the NFL right now, not understanding how important it is to the game and why we spent a half hour on issues like this, you're not paying attention to what's going on in the NFL right now. We'll take a break. When we return, Dak Prescott full speed ahead, but but uh, one of their rivals will not yet name a starting quarterback for 2021. We'll discuss those issues when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: It's awesome to have Dak back. Obviously, in the team setting, that was the biggest thing he's been around, obviously, each and every day in some capacity. But uh, obviously, having him out there in 11-on-11 11 11 is huge. Uh, it's great for him. It's great for the morale of everyone on our team, I think, especially for our offense. And uh, I thought he looked great, and we're fired up. Do he have, have any limitations at all, or did it, and, and what's the plan going forward? Yeah, we're just playing ball at this point, so uh, we're, we're not looking at anything from a limitation standpoint. We're playing football, and uh, we're getting ready for uh, obviously from his standpoint, we're getting ready for the, the regular season at Tampa Bay.
1: Kellen Moore, Cowboys offensive coordinator, no limitations for Dak Prescott. He had that funky shoulder injury down in the lat muscle, a pitching injury, an injury beyond the expertise of NFL trainers to the extent where the Cowboys had to consult with a couple of MLB teams. Peter, uh, Chris Sims has believed throughout this process that Prescott injured himself while compensating for his right ankle, not planning and pushing as he ordinarily would, whether it was conscious or not. So he's digging deeper to throw the ball. Chris has noticed a different throwing motion for Dak Prescott. And even if he's recovered from whatever it was that caused the strain, I think when you take the ankle, when you take the shoulder, you just have to pay close attention to where this goes for Dak Prescott. He's going to be susceptible to re-injury of the shoulder or some other injury as he compensates for that ankle because it just takes time to get your body back to the point where it trusts that leg planted into the ground. And I think that's been the cause, the ultimate cause of of this uh, struggle we've seen. So we're 13 days away from the first test when the Cowboys go to Tampa Bay, and we'll see if he's the old Dak. But I think there's reason to at least watch and wait and see how he plays, how he performs, and if he stays healthy.
2: You know, Mike, I'm sure that Uh, on that early May day when the Cowboys were informed that they were going to open the season on Thursday night uh, at Tampa. I'm sure that Jerry Jones did handsprings and was excited. You know, a great uh, great show for America's team. The NFL loves us. But right now, if you're the Cowboys, you've got to be in a little bit of mourning that your game is not your typical opener uh, late Sunday uh, doubleheader window on Fox against the Giants, either in the Meadowlands or in Texas. Because now think about what the Cowboys are going to be going into in Tampa. A very emotional Tampa Bay team with a pass rush that is coming back totally intact, and, I might add, now with a totally healthy Vita Vey, uh at defensive tackle versus last year when he was healthy, but he wasn't perfect at the end of the year. And they hit Patrick Mahomes or significantly pressured him 29 times in the Super Bowl and made a mockery of the Kansas City offense. All I'm saying is that this is not the best time for the Dallas Cowboys to be getting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, and... For your first game with Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator, who presumably still breaks out into an Albert Brooks from Broadcast News flop sweat anytime he sees Tom Brady dating back to Super Bowl (laughs) 51 when Quinn was the coach of the Falcons. You're right. This is not the best card to draw as your week one opponent, and you throw it all together. It just doesn't look good for the Cowboys, but... We'll be patient, we'll watch, and we'll wait, and we'll see. That ankle is not something to ignore. The shoulder, given the unique nature of the injury, is not something to ignore. But at least we know that Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback in Dallas. For whatever reason, Peter, and we're aware of the quarterback competitions throughout the NFL. We knew about Denver and Jacksonville. It was kind of a cute little funny, okay, sure, it's a competition in New Orleans, etc. In Washington, we assume it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everyone assumes it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I assume Ryan Fitzpatrick assumes it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here's Ron Rivera, the Washington coach, talking to reporters about his position on not naming, for now, a starting quarterback.
0: There'll be a proper moment when I sit down and talk about the guys that are going to start for this team. But that'll be a moment for, 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 for us, you know, for the team. And, 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 you know, I like to do that. I, I like to let the guys know who's, who's our starters. I think that's important. Um, I, I've been in some situations, uh, and it was Cam Newton's first year. And when I, it was time, I got in front of the team and told him he was going to be our guy. And uh, I think that's that's something that 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 I need to tell everybody, as opposed to it leaking out.
1: And it's one thing in 2011 for ron rivera to tell the team that cam newton's going to start week one and he had a great start week one that year like 400 plus passing yards. but i don't think ron rivera had to do it 2012 13 14 15 he creates he's kind of creating the impression he does it every year at some point they knew cam newton was the starter in washington I, it's just creating this kind of weird i don't know is is there a taylor heineke trick up ron rivera's sleeve that he just isn't sharing with anyone
2: I can't imagine, Mike. I mean, look, I, I did not go to their training camp, so all I know is what I've been hearing. And what you're hearing out of Washington is that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been great, has looked good, um, and is going to be the guy. I just, I think this is one of those things that the coach just wants to name the quarterback when he wants to name him. But I, I
1: don't read anything deep and dark and Heineke into that. <laughs> and and the thing about Heineke, I thought he was spectacular in that playoff game against the Buccaneers, no but he played with a degree of reckless abandon that is not physically he sustainable did. for a 17-game season. Right. You could tell he was treating this, and I respect it, he was treating that game as... The last game he's ever going to play, this is his opportunity to get their attention. And he got a nice little contract out of it. Kudos to him. But I don't know that you can trust him to be the guy week in and week out. But I I I don't know. When he's playing at his highest level, maybe he's better than Fitzpatrick. The thing about Fitzpatrick, and we've seen this with various other teams. We saw it with the Bills. People are acting like he's never been a clear, unquestioned starter before. He was in Buffalo, and then it fell apart. We've seen him elsewhere. He he puts a good run together, and we believe in Fitz Magic, and then it falls apart. And at some level, Ron Rivera's got to be thinking about that. You know, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket that has had the bottom drop out five, six, seven times over the course of his career. How do I know it's not going to happen for me? Let's 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 neutralize the effect of the starting quarterback and focus on our defense and our running game. But you got this other. I've just it's until he names him. There's there's a reason for him not naming him. Until he names him, I don't know what the reason is, but uh, I'm just kind of waiting and see, just kind of a, an odd little, I don't know why they're doing this, and uh, maybe there is nothing to it. But there would definitely be nothing to it if he just come out and say Ryan Fitzpatrick's his starter.
2: I think the one other thing that he's doing is he's basically telling his team and telling the world that, hey, listen, Taylor Heineke showed us something in the wild card game against Tampa Bay. And what he showed us is that he wasn't afraid of Big Bad Brady. He wasn't afraid of that pass rush. He came in and he played a B-plus football game in what might be the only time he'd ever play in a big game in his NFL life. I think Ron Rivera was incredibly impressed with that. And I think he wants to say to his team, listen, if Taylor Heineke, for, for whatever reason is the quarterback of this team for 10 weeks in a row, we're going to win. And I, in my opinion, the other, you know, you talk about why is he doing this, I don't know. But one of, the, one of my theories is basically that he can now stand up in front of his team and say we got two quarterbacks, just like uh, Vic Fangio can do, knowing that Drew Locke is pretty good, and if he has to play, they're not going to be in the dumper.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Now, we mentioned earlier that Peter has been to 18 different camps, seen 20 different teams. When we return, we're going to start to download information from Peter that he gleaned from his trip, starting with the NFC teams that he witnessed. We'll do that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I know you won't tell too. but have you decided on a week Um, I got a pretty good idea. But as you guys can see with everything, I don't... I'm not a big... I don't know our schedule a couple days from now. Um, so I got a. have always had a pretty good idea. Um, but you know, there's lots of days between now and then at every position. It may not even be a lot. I mean, I won't say it, but that is a fact. Like that is a fact.
1: A little reminder of the joke that fell flat from Kyle Shanahan back when he said that He doesn't know that Jimmy Garoppolo is even going to be alive on Sunday. He still has Jimmy Garoppolo alive and well, Trey Lance alive and well. Peter, you were at 49ers camp, if I recall correctly, fairly early on in the process. So things have changed since then. What vibe did you pick up when you were there about this whole Garoppolo to Lance evolution slash revolution?
2: that Trey Lance was going to have to be Patrick Mahomes to win this job and Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have to be less than Alex Smith for Trey Lance to win this job. Because they're bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back to play for much or maybe all of this year. That was the thought process. And bring a guy who doesn't have a lot of college experience at the Division I AA level or whatever it's called now. And he doesn't have a lot of starts there, whatever it is, 16, 17. And so it's a little bit unnatural to think that just because you draft him third overall that you're going to have him start. I've thought all along since I talked to Kyle Shanahan on draft weekend and he absolutely wanted Jimmy Garoppolo back. The only way that they were trading Garoppolo is if the Patriots offered him a one. That's the only way. And because that never happened, the 49ers 49ers basically hang on to Garoppolo and think he's going to be
1: their starter, at least at the start of this year. Without naming names, let's just assume that lightning strikes somewhere for an NFL starting quarterback like it did for Teddy Bridgewater in late August of 2016 opening the door for the Eagles to get a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Sam Bradford and go with then-rookie Carson Wentz, who came from the same school, frankly, coincidentally, as Trey Lance. If that would happen and all of a sudden an opportunity arises to get a first-round pick and maybe a little bit more now for Jimmy Garoppolo when the Hayes supposedly in the barn for Week 1, do you think the 49ers would take it?
2: I doubt it. But never say never. They are, they're, they've are they got a little bit of riverboat gambler to them. And I think a lot of that you'd have to give Kyle Shanahan sodium pentothal and say, are you convinced right now that Trey Lance, um, you know, with a very, very shaky backup situation, you know, that Trey Lance could be your guy. Of course he could be your guy. But do you want him to be your guy? There's a reason that Jed York said all right, I'll give you $25 million. You can have that this year to pay Jimmy G. and And so if you've already determined that you can do that, I think they want to have both of the quarterbacks on this team and they want to just pick the best one as the year goes on and have the insurance that Kyle Shanahan has not had in his first four years.
1: Last point on this. I don't know if you saw the show yesterday and if you didn't, how dare you? One of the things that that I drew out of Jimmy Garoppolo's most recent press conference when he was asked about a conversation with Drew Brees, who was visiting practice. And I think the setup was comparing Garoppolo's experience now to Drew when he was with the Chargers and Phillip Rivers was there. I think Garoppolo misunderstood the question, and he answered it by saying he talked to Drew about recent experience of exiting the field for Taysom Hill. And through it all, Peter what Garoppolo said, I got the clear vibe. He's prepared to shuttle in and out as we get a fairly healthy dose of Trey Lance as the alternative to Garoppolo at any given moment of any given game. Do you think that that is how it's going to unfold if Garoppolo is still on the team?
2: Yes, not quite as freely four or five times a game as often happened with Trey Lance, but yes, I do think that Trey Lance comes in as a middle reliever to get out one or two batters, even though the major league rule now is you got to face three batters. But he comes in just for brief appearances, one or two plays, and then shuttles back out. That's what I think is probably going to happen early in the season.
1: Another team in the NFC West that you visited, the Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford, the new quarterback. Uh, There's just been a presumption from the moment the word broke in late January of the eventual trade for Matthew Stafford that this takes the Rams to the next level. They get to the final eight with Jared Goff. Who knows how high they can climb with Matthew Stafford. How much better do you believe the Rams offense will be with Stafford pulling the trigger of the passing game?
2: I think they're going to be significantly better if only for the fact that Sean McVay fell out of trust with uh, Jared Goff. So once you do that, and once you realize mentally, I've only got really about 65% of my game plan that conceivably that I will use, not that I could use, but that I will use because a lot of these plays, I really don't trust Goff to execute. And so at that point, when that happens you've got to make a change if indeed you've got a defense as good as they are the reigning champion defense in the NFL from 2020 and if you know that if you're an explosive offense then you have a heck of a shot to make the Super Bowl now Matthew Stafford's got to stay healthy which in all but one of the years in the NFL he has and so I think that they have done the right thing Mike And I think they are legitimate, strong Super Bowl contenders because of Stafford. One other thing, most vivid memory of this whole trip is watching, uh, you know, Aaron Donald after a play during a scrimmage, 11 on 11, go up to Matthew Stafford on the other side of the field and give him a big hug. And I, I just, that is not really what you see in these practices. You know, it's very competitive, highly competitive. And I asked Aaron Donald afterwards, basically, what was that all about? And he said, I, I just had to tell him, man, I'm so glad you're here. And, and, and so clearly this team feels like it's extraordinarily fortunate to have gotten a guy kind of in mid to late prime that gives him a chance to win.
1: My big concern with the Rams, they're so top-heavy with talent, and they may not have the depth, and if they do get that injury to Stafford or Donald, who was hurt late in the year, or Jalen Ramsey, or another key player, are they going to be able to pick up the slack? And they're dealing with it now at running back. They lost Cam Akers, who I think was going to be a breakout star of the 2021 season before camp even began. They got a little desperate this week. I think they gave up too much for Sony Michel, but it just shows you what may happen to a team that has been – Giving away draft pick after draft pick, when you lose the star players you acquire with those draft picks, you better have someone else ready to go. That's going to be the challenge for the Rams. The challenge in Seattle, keeping Russell Wilson happy. Happy for now. Here he is with Peter King from Peter's training camp tour, talking about his potential frustrations with the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Well, obviously, you know, Coach Carroll and I are super tight. You know, we had we had a great one on one for several hours, uh, and I think you know, at the end of the day. You know, when you, when you want to win it all every time, you know, of course, you're going to be frustrated. You know, you, you want to win it all. I think all of us. So, uh, you know, we're, we're out here. We're balling. We're having fun. We're having a blast. We're ready to roll. Uh, we're excited for the season and where we're at. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. Couldn't be, couldn't be more ready.
1: Peter, I'm amazed how differently Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers handled their issues. For Russell, he knew, hey, I, this is a, a year. This is an opportunity. It's another swing of the bat for me to try to add to my legacy. So I'm all in. Uh, Those problems that I talked to Dan Patrick about, it's like it never even happened. Rodgers, he shows up and bears his soul about all of his issues with the Packers first day at a press conference. Slightly different approach. Uh, Do you think it's going to work this year for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks?
2: It's going to work for the next five months. Uh, You know, no question about it. The question is what happens after that time. Uh, I think the Seahawks, for now anyway, are still going to draw a line in the sand You know, the overwhelming thought I got after leaving there, Mike, is that um, just like in Green Bay where no matter what anybody says about Aaron Rodgers now, no one knows if he's going to ask out after this year. Nobody knows. It's just too early to know. You've got to see what happens this season. I think Russell Wilson and Shane Waldron, his new offensive coordinator, comes in from the Rams, more imagination, and I think he will have more acceptance – To the ideas of Russell Wilson, um, you know, than the previous regime. So, in my opinion, I think Shane Waldron is going to have a lot to do with whether Russell Wilson makes a stink at the end of this year or not.
1: Yeah, one of the most telling nuggets that emerged in the offseason, the article from The Athletic where when the Seahawks were struggling, they had the short week upcoming against the Cardinals, and Russell Wilson shows up to a coaches meeting with some ideas and is politely told to leave. So uh, if that happens this year, especially because they started so strongly last year and it all fell apart, if that kind of thing happens this year, we're going to be right back where we were come February. We mentioned Aaron Rodgers. You talked to Aaron Rodgers. We've heard from Aaron Rodgers. He's still strategically cryptic, and that's kind of the way he's always been. Um, how do you think the season is going to play out? We don't know what's going to happen after the season, but how do you think things are going to play out now that he's back and he's really not working nearly as hard as Russell Wilson to act like everything that happened in the offseason didn't happen?
2: I mean, his most telling thing to me came when uh, you know he really would not talk about the future. And when I asked him if one day he's going to bare his soul about the problems that he had in Green Bay, and he took a long pause, stared out at the field, and said, some things are better left unsaid. And Mike, you know that during the course of the year, and you are the champion of this, and I say this to give you credit, because usually there's something in what a guy says that you can start to pull a string on and you finally get to something. At some point during the course of the year, everybody thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to say something like, oh man, I'll tell you what, I bought some property in Colorado in the offseason, really love it there. And I'm joking, obviously. But at some point, Aaron Rodgers is going to say something that everybody is going to run with and say, see, he wants out, or see this, see, he's going to get a new contract, or he wants more money, whatever. Aaron Rodgers, I believe, is determined to play this year and to speak this year with no words about calendar year 2022. And if he can do that, all credit to him. But when I left there, that is the thing I thought he was determined to not do this year, which is to talk about the future and only to live in the present day.
1: Well, you will know, Peter, if I am successfully pulling on an Aaron Rodgers-related thread, because he will declare in front of his locker that people should not waste their time reading. You guys like Mike Flory. crap.
0: I mean, don't waste your time. There it is, reading, uh, reading crap like that. there it is
1: (laughs) there it is i knew if i talked long enough it would roll somebody in the control room peter always has their button on that clip they got one finger on that clip and they got the other finger on the hail mary from 1975 when drew pearson pushed off nate Wright. and uh, don't play that now please let's move to the tampa bay buccaneers you can play that
2: when we get to the vikings
1: yeah well yes thanks uh Look, no one's repeated as NFL champion since 2003-2004 when the Patriots and Tom Brady did it. It's difficult to do. You're, you're the team that everyone's trying to beat. You, you have to climb the same mountain you just climbed. It's kind of hard to get motivated to do the thing you just did. But the difference is Tom Brady. Because for him, it's mountain number eight. He's got number seven. He wants number eight on his way to number nine. Uh, your sense of the vibe around the Buccaneers as they try to do something that hasn't been done for 17 years.
2: There's two things that's notable about if you spend time with the, with the Bucks. Number one, everybody says, in some form, Tom Brady's not going to let us get complacent. Because think about it. It was 17 years ago, the last time a team repeated in the NFL, and the quarterback was Tom Brady. Every time in recent years that the Patriots got to a Super Bowl in the last 10 years, every year the following year, they had a good chance to win because they made the playoffs every time and they had a good chance to win, you know, the following year. And they didn't, but they had a good chance. I think there's one really interesting thing that none of us have talked has talked about. That is the acquisition of Gio Bernard. You know, for one point two million dollars in free agency, he wanted to come to Tampa. Almost he would take any amount of money. And he wanted to come to Tampa because he's been basically assured you're going to be our third down back. Gio Bernard could catch 80 balls. He could be James White and the guy who Tom Brady didn't have last year. Brady has got a total embarrassment of riches. He's got a new Smurphy potential slot guy in Jalen Darden, a fourth round kid who he has really taken a liking to. And now he's got a guy who will run all these wheel routes out of the backfield Uh, In in Gio Bernard I mean, look, they're better, Mike I don't know if it's going to mean That they will be better on the field But on paper, they're better than the team That won the Super Bowl
1: It is amazing when you consider for the first time since the seventies, the Super Bowl champion returns everyone. We had the graphic early in the offseason of the seven free agents. How many of them would they actually keep? Oh, they kept all of them. It's just it it's astounding that they've reloaded the cannon and that they have the ultimate focused on the next one quarterback who isn't going to let anyone become complacent and always says the right thing at the right time. Remember the the comment that, that I think you shared with us when Devin White was down in the mouth because he didn't make it to the Pro Bowl. And Tom Brady said yeah. to him, what the hell do you care about the Pro Bowl? We care about the Super Bowl.
2: And you know, Mike, Shaq Barrett told me something interesting at Bucks camp because I said to him, man, you know, what a run you guys had you know, Breeze, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you beat them all and all this. And and he basically said, hey, look, I'm a little bit ticked off about the Super Bowl. And I said, why? He said, I missed three plays. I should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. He said, there's something that drives all of us a little bit differently. But I look at last year and say, if I just make the plays I should have made, I would have won the MVP of the Super Bowl. So he said, we all have different motivations. And he goes, mine is to get back to that game because I want to win that award.
1: Yeah, good luck with Tom Brady at quarterback. Maybe, <laughs> maybe after Brady's gone and Blaine Gabbard is the quarterback, the most underrated player in the NFL, yeah. according to Bruce Arians, maybe that's when Shaq Barrett will have a chance to win the Super Bowl MVP. Of course, you got to get to the Super Bowl with Blaine Gabbard. In New Orleans, where last year the Saints did everything they could to keep Brady and company out of the Super Bowl, swept them in the regular season, blew them out in a Sunday night game. We're up 10 points in the second half in the playoff game until it all fell apart. Uh, we've got Jameis Winston. We've got Taysom Hill. The The needle was pointing toward Winston after that spectacular performance on Monday night against the Jaguars. How do you think this plays out? And, and you know, I've thought all along, Peter, that it hurts Taysom Hill that he's so versatile because if it's close... Of course it does. You go with Winston, and you let Taysom Hill continue to be Taysom Hill. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback,
2: Jameis Winston is a classic NFL backup. Could go 5, six, eight, 10, 12 games, never getting on the field. If Jameis Winston is the choice, uh, Taysom Hill is going to be one of the best special teams players on the, on the team. He's going to play 15 snaps in the regular offense during the game. He's incredibly valuable. They believe that Taysom Hill is going to be more of a factor at tight end this year than he ever has been before because, I mean, look, his body, he's got sort of a tight end body. He's kind of got a Tebow body, you know, with a big chest and everything. But I'll just say this, Mike. In the afternoon, I met Sean Payton last Friday in New Orleans. And one of the things he said to me in the course of conversation, man... Where we'll really miss Drew is in the two-minute. He was a master of the two-minute. So as if on cue, that night, team practiced in the Superdome. It's the last series of the night. They're backed up. It's third and long. 47 seconds to go in the two-minute. And Jameis Winston throws uh, Chris Hogan, who's going to make the team, by the way. You know, everybody's for- favorite former Patriot. Chris Hogan does a double move And he gets behind the corner, and Jameis Winston throws a beautiful ball, about 50 yards in the air. Hogan catches it, scores a touchdown. And just as Sean Payton is saying, man, I'm worried about the two-minute offense, all of a sudden, Jameis Winston hits a grand slam in that two-minute offense. So I honestly thought when that play was made, I said, Jameis Winston's going to win this job. And I still think he will.
1: Well, in that play from Monday night, the throw to Marquez Calloway early in the game, yeah. the longest throw by any Saints quarterback since 2016, that, that air uh, distance of 53-plus yards. And that's an element that Winston brings to the offense. He's a guy who threw for 5,000 yards. I know he had a lot of interceptions a couple of years ago. It became a thing, the first 30-and-30 30 30 guy with touchdowns and interceptions. But Peyton irons that out. And uh, they're not going to miss a beat in New Orleans. And that may be the team. You know, I'm trying to find the teams in the NFC, Peter, that the Buccaneers need to be the most worried about. I think they need to be worried about the Washington front seven if they cross paths with them again too. in the playoffs. They need to worry about the Packers if things don't implode in what could be Aaron Rodgers last year. But they got to worry about the Saints in their own division. Agreed. I mean, the NFC has got
2: some sneaky good teams. I think Washington is going to be sneaky good. Uh, the Rams, obviously, are going to be good. And look, I think the 49ers are going to be very good. The 49ers and Rams, that's going to be the best, in my opinion, I think it'll be the best pennant race in football. And the biggest reason is that all four teams in that division can win on the road against any team in that division. That is what makes a division fantastic. And, and that, to me, that's far and away the deepest division in football.
1: And with an extra regular season game, attrition becomes critical. What will happen to these teams when they inevitably lose key players? Will the backups be able to come in and get it done? Because it will happen. With 17 games on the way to 18 eventually, it will happen. Let's take a break. When we return, what Peter learned on his training camp tour from the AFC teams. And, of course, I knew we wouldn't get out of this segment without this moment of blatant offensive pass. What a
2: thing of beauty that is
1: blatant Beautiful. offensive pass interference we'll be back with more throws the ball right out of the stadium the ball's still bouncing around in minnesota somewhere brainerd there it is uh, we always have the mall ball. of america at the Can mall of america just go to break i don't need to see no. this again it it is ingrained in my soul